Com. Well, they were lighting a lamp with this one throughout the weekend. We talked about it a little bit last night, a statement weekend again for the UND hockey team. The color analyst is with us now, Steve Olson. Oli, how you been? I'm good, and I kind of like that couch potato radio thing. I kind of resemble that. <laughs> well, you've seen me. I mean, that's pretty much how it goes. You guys could be twins, I think. Uh, brothers. Yeah. You kind of have the same build. I already have a doppelganger that was a year younger than me in high school. <laughs> Trust me, Sean and I, everywhere we go, we, are you guys brothers? No, it happens all the time. But Derek Hansen, Tank McNamara, Steve also with us. Yeah, I, I, just another weekend, only, what, three losses on the season. This is We're kind of getting to historic times, aren't we? Well, we're get we're 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 approaching that. I, I think uh, Schloss wrote an article about that. That the same time this year, they're the, they're at the same mark they were in sixteen fifty and sixteen when they won the title. As far as mm-hmm. record goes, they're exactly the same place they were then. So, yeah, that would be historic. I, I guess you could say if they were to run the table, I would say it would certainly be historic. How would you compare those teams if it's even fair to compare them? I mean, it's just it was. Um, I- I think the top end talent on that team was probably a little bit higher than the talent on this team, but the depth on this team is what's what's pretty impressive. I mean, they don't really match lines; they don't really have to do a whole lot of that. They just kind of roll four lines and and play. You know, I I don't think they have a they don't have a Besser Schmaltz type guy on this team like they did on that team. Kajula, you know, they don't have a line like that, but yeah. it, they got a pretty pretty deep deep unit. Well, it's the, sure. yeah, it's the one through four lines, right? It was almost impossible yeah. to match up, yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, really, their their third line is would probably be the one that would be most considered their checking line, their top checking line, their shutdown line, and that's the one that usually gets matched up the most in the games against the other team's top unit. It'd be, it's Smith, uh, Sendon, and, and it had been Hain up until this point, but now Hain has been hurt for the last couple of series, and it's been Blaisdell on that line, but the two the two main guys, Sendon and and Smith, have been together all year long, and they're kind of the predominant checking line of the group. And Brad, last so, night we we talked about six players hitting double digits and goals uh, mm-hmm. this time of the year, and I asked him who who was the biggest surprise out of that group, and he thought it was Jasper Weatherby. Uh, would you agree, or, or do you have someone else in mind? Um, I don't really. I'm. I guess I'm not really that surprised about Jasper getting the ten. I thought that he'd be more of a contributor last year than he was, and I think he's just made some strides between. He's kind of gotten used to the speed of the game and the and the difference. You know what it takes to to be successful at this level. Um, I think the guy that to me that's made the biggest jumps, and I don't know if he's gotten to ten goals, but he's pretty close to me. Is the defenseman Kirst that he has went from being a good defenseman, which he was last year as a sophomore to an elite defenseman as a junior. He, to me, he's probably one of the best, if not the best defenseman in the league, both defensively and offensively, if you combine the two. But I don't think he gets as much press as, as the Perinoviches and the Mitchells and some of those, but I think he's right there with them. What's he doing differently this year compared to last I think year? He's just, I think he's just taken more more of a, a role, an offensive role, trying to get up the ice, trying to jump into play a little bit more. I think... He's had to do that as with guys that have moved on. I think when he first got here, there was guys that were already filling those roles, and I think those guys have kind of moved on, and now he's that guy. He's he, he's good on the power play. He, he's one of their predominant guys on the power play. I, I just think it's just a maturity level. I think guys here kind of just when they come in, they take that they take their spot, you know, and everybody kind of knows what their role is. And as they as they develop and they get deeper into it, their roles 
are increased and they kind of just take on that role. And I think that's kind of the way the culture has kind of always been here. I know everybody uses that word culture, but that's kind of the way it works. Steve Olson is with us, analyst for UND Hockey for the UND Hockey Radio Network. Derek Hansen, take McNamara with you here on Couch Potato Radio on KFGO. You mentioned defense. I mean, I mean losing Pullman, that's a tough loss right now at this point. Yeah, it is. Uh, he he he's he's really good defensively, and he, and he can create some offense too. But uh, he he was back last weekend, and he played pretty well. Yeah. And uh, you know, and if they can keep him in the lineup, you know, he's kind of been—he hasn't a lot missed a lot of games up to this year, but he's been a little nicked up right now this year, kind of especially here in the second half. And uh, they definitely are going to need him down the road when it comes to the penalty kill and that kind of thing. But he's—he's he's a warrior when he plays. He—if—if he, he, he's in the lineup, there's no excuses. He plays 100%. If he's not in the lineup, it's because he can't go. And uh, you know, he was—I don't know what they what the the nature of the the Saturday the Saturday missing the Saturday thing was that they originally said it was illness. I don't know if he's hurt or if it's illness or what it is, but uh, you know they're going to take they're going to do what they have to do to get him healthy for the stretch run. And you know the nice thing about it, Derek, is that they really have eight defensemen that they can play. You know, right. and that's kind of a nice luxury to have. I mean, I have no problems when they bring Rieger in there and play him. I mean, he 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 looks just like the other guys. You know, he comes in and and plays his role. So I, I don't really. You know, obviously he's not Pullman, but he—he's—I'll he, put it this way—he's in the top six in a lot of guys, a lot of teams in this league. What's your take so, on speaking of defensemen? What's your take on Tyconic in his second year? You know, he's—he was kind of dinged up last year, and he shows flashes. I mean, is he still kind of um, with 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 Johnny? He, He's—you know—he's he, kind of like some of the defensemen we've had here in the past. He's kind of a high risk, high reward type of a player. You know, he. He's more in that mold of, say, uh, maybe like a Nemenko or uh, Getaway. You know, he's yeah. gonna he's gonna gamble a little bit, and he's gonna show some flashes, and you're gonna get some reward. But he's also gonna make some mistakes because he wants to gamble a little bit. And I think some of it is to do with he tries to um, use the tools that he has, his his best attributes, and his best attributes are that he can handle the puck and that he's quick because he's not very big. You know, so I think he tries to to do what he does and try to do it well. And when you get, when you, when you do that and you gamble a little bit like that, you're, you're going to pay a little bit too, you know, and I think that's what happens. And, you know, I always say, everybody talks about what's the difference between Tyconic and, and JBD and Jacob Bernard Dockers that Tyconic has got more flash, but um, Bernard Docker has just got so much poise. You know what I mean? It's like the game's already slowed down for him. When I watch Tyconic, it's like, his hands and his feet are going faster than his brain. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, yeah. you know what I mean. I, he just, he, I just, I just, I think that he's just a high energy type of a guy. And you, you know, you, you know, you've been around football a lot too. You see that with quarterbacks, right? I mean, you see some quarterbacks that are good athletes, but there comes a point as a quarterback where the game needs to slow down. And you need to see what's in front of you and and make reads and do that kind of thing, right? I think he's trying to do that. He's in between that just flat out being a good athlete to being a good player. You know what I'm saying? And I and I think that I think it'll come. Well I know they lost a little of their mojo coming out of the Christmas break, but mm-hmm. you know, according to Brad last night he thinks they found it uh, in the <laughs> last five games. But it must be uh tough to to cover this team when they're having so much success because I see 
Schlossman writes today that UND has to conserve its hockey stick supply because of the coronavirus causing problems oh. for China-based factories. <laughs> wow. So you know things are yeah. going well when that's the headline uh, out of the program on a Tuesday. Yeah, I really think that, you know, coming out of the break, especially in the Duluth series, it, it was it was out of the ordinary to me. That that was kind of an aberration, you know, the, the loose play and the giving up the goals and that kind of thing. I mean, Brad hasn't really said it, but I mean, a lot of it has to go has goes back to the fact that um, Shield just wasn't as good. He just wasn't on top of his game coming out of the break like he was in the first half for whatever reason. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it was Shield's fault, but you know, in the first half, if we if they made a mistake, he locked it down and made those saves, right? I mean, and and you didn't notice it because nobody was getting three, four goals. He was only giving up a goal a game. You know, and all of a sudden he doesn't play as well, and they give up two or three, and everybody's in a panic. And oh, what's going on? You know, but now that Tommy's been in there, you know, it's it's kind of back to where it was. And look at his, his he's only given up a goal game. Yeah. You know, so I think it's I think you know it, it kind of the way your goalie goes is kind of the way you go, and that, I think that's what you're seeing now. Steve Olson's with us here, analyst for the UND Fighting Hawks Radio Network. A big series coming up this weekend against St. Cloud State down in St. Cloud. 7 o'clock is the pregame show on Friday. 5.30 the pregame show on Saturday. Derek Hansen, Tate McNamara with you, Couch Potato Radio and KFGO. And I think that's probably one of the most unique things with this team, the fact that you can have maybe the best goalie of the first half in the country then he gets, uh, you know, replaced <laughs> to start the second yeah. half, and now you can't take out the the other guy. It's just nuts. Well, you know how it is with goalies, Derek. I mean, you roll with them while they're hot, right? Yep. If he if he's hot, he's hot, and you roll with them, and you know if he if he throws a clunker, that's your opportunity to get Shield back in there and see what he can do. Well, I know what Brad has said. The best thing that's probably happened out of this whole deal is that now Adam has had to kind of put his nose at the grindstone a little bit and and really push and practice to try to get back in there, right? And so you've created some competition, which is a good thing, right? You don't want a guy to get too comfortable. You yeah. want him to think that he's got to work and try to get better. And, and you know, I, I don't have any qualms about it. If they were to put Shield in there Friday night, it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me in the least because he's proven that he can do, you know, can play at a top level. And, you know, I, I expect he's going to get in there sooner or later, right? I mean, I don't think they're going to ride Tommy to the end of the year. I mean, I guess they could, yeah. but... I would expect sometime you're going to see Shield again. What's uh, what's so. St. Cloud State like now after uh, motsko has been gone for two years? Does does Brett Larson have his fingerprints on this program yet? Well, uh, they they play a similar game. They're they're kind of based on quickness. They kind of rec- they recruit their forwards kind of to their big ice sheet. You know, they want to play. They want to spread you out and and uh, and get up the rink and do that kind of thing. I think the one big difference with with this group at uh, the St. Cloud right now is that they're younger on the back end. Besides a Sean, they don't have those real veteran type guys back there. You know, like when they had the Borgans and the and the Lazats and those kinds of guys, they're kind of breaking in a new group. And this new group is just not, they're not at the level that, 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 that other group was. And they were struggling in the first half, their defense, but I don't think we're quite up to speed with what they were trying to do. They've gotten better. I mean, they're very capable. Uh, they swept Duluth. So, I mean, and they pounded Mankato when they played them over the holidays. So, you know, they're capable. They just, I just don't think they've gotten the consistency to their game that, that they, Brett would like to see. Um, that being said, they can beat you on any given night. But yeah. I don't think this is quite the team that St. Cloud has had the last maybe two or three years. But they're still a, a very good team. Yeah, it's going to be, and this is always, uh, 
There's not a, a lot of love. The, the fans like to get on UND, so this is always kind of a fun weekend out, down there, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah it is. It, it is. You know, it, it, the, the crowds on there the last couple of times have been kind of disappointing, but the first few years when they were in the league, that was one of the most raucous places to go was St. Cloud. They used to get a really good student turnout, and and it used to be kind of kind of wild and crazy down there. You know, it always is a little bit different because – it's one of those arenas where there's no seats on the ends. And for some reason, when it's not in the round like that, you know, I just, it loses something to me. You know sure. what I'm saying? It doesn't, they're like, you're not on top of you. So it, does, it seems a little bit different, but yeah, they have, they have good fans down there. And, and this has been a good rivalry since they've been in the same league, especially now with, with Minnesota moving on to St. Cloud state and Minnesota, that was their big rival. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. now they've got to create rivalries with the other teams. And I think Duluth and us in the St. Cloud now kind of, all have that kind of rivalry going together, and the UND fans so, uh, love to go to St. Cloud right. too. There's uh, usually yeah, a lot a, of green it's a in quick there. trip. Yeah, yeah, it's a quick trip, especially yeah, for those it, UND it, grads down the Twin Cities. That's a really quick. Trip. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it doesn't matter where we go. I mean, it doesn't matter whether we're in Duluth or whether we're in St. Cloud or where we go. It's it's always half green. Yeah, it's like you a, I mean, it's, it's like a Grateful Dead concert, right? I mean, it's a, exactly. Yeah. I mean, even when you go out to Denver, it's like a home game because there's so many alumni alum out there that. They they sell the arena out and it's it's you know it's two thirds UND fans. What you know, uh, so. what what's your take on the news of the WCHA uh, losing seven teams and starting their own conference? Um, today? I'm not surprised at all with the financial issues that the two the two uh, Alaska schools are facing. Um, I don't know that they're that stable, and I think. Not that, but it's costly for the WCHA teams to have to travel up there too, right? You know the flights and the right. and all that kind of thing. And I think they're trying to uh, protect themselves. I think that that core group of seven people all are kind of in the general same general footprint. And uh, I think they're trying to capture a little bit a little of what was by using the CCHA moniker. You know what I'm saying to get those people in that Michigan, Illinois, that area kind of familiar with what they're trying to do. Uh, I feel bad for the Alaska schools because I don't want to see any teams get contracted. College hockey can't afford to lose teams, right? But right. at the same time, you got to have a you got to have a plan, and I don't really know what their plan is. I, I I really think that eventually, I think that the team from Huntsville will end up in Atlantic hockey because it's closer to their footprint. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I mean, yeah. so I, I really think that they'll be in that league. I think that league will absorb them, but. Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen. Well, in the I long mean, run. And, and you say that I think you're right. I think on Huntsville, they'll probably end up there. They'll be fine. It's, mm-hmm. You know, as far as the as far as the Alaska thing, yeah, you hate to lose hockey teams, but man, if you can't get any traction, are you helping out Division One hockey anyways? Am I wrong? Well, it, yeah, and that's kind of you know, a lot of teams used to use those two Alaska teams because the the NCA would give you two extra games if you would travel up there to play. Yeah. You know. So a lot of teams would do that to get the extra games, but there's a cost. There's costs associated with it now, right? So mm-hmm. they're not doing it, and they're just and they've both now moved into smaller on-campus facilities to try to save money. So they're not, you know, they're not. They don't have the best. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it, the best facilities yeah. or. Well, I mean, all the amenities. That, you know, I mean, people to come. Yeah, I mean, well, you know? if, you, if you're trying to recruit against, you know, if, if you're in Alberta and you're Correct. recruiting against Brad Berry, you don't got a snowball's chance, and you know what, right? No, no, and BC too. I mean, if you're, you know, you're recruiting directly against Denver and 
and and UND. You know, it's tougher to recruit, no doubt about it. You know, for sure, they're they're, they're recruiting a lot in the North American Hockey League in those places of where kids maybe are getting overlooked and they're not like blue chip recruits. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I mean, they've had good teams up there. I mean, not on a consistent basis, but it is it, it's a tough place to recruit. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. You think they take some yeah. of that oil money and put it into that, but <laughs> right. Well, my that, but it's dark there the whole winter long. Oh, right? yes, that that can't help yeah. at all. That's we got bad yeah. enough seasonal affective disorder here, that's let alone right. up there. Yeah, that's... yeah, that's right. All right, Steve. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. Do appreciate it. It's always yep. fun talking a little hockey with you. And enjoy this weekend. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good day. You bet, Steve.